despite this high inflation, we aren't seeing a labor shortage. The companies are working harder than ever actually to uh, retain workers. Well, uh, most companies. Uh, Ford Motor Company announcing that they're actually going to lay off 8,000 workers, which is all apparently part of their plan in reducing costs as they switch over to EVs. And for more on this story, here's our friend Kenneth Bocour, host of the EV Revolution show on YouTube. And Kenneth joins us once again. Kenneth, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Hope you're well. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. And thanks for being here. Uh, Tell us more, if you could, about these job cuts and Ford's rationale, their reasoning behind them. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen a couple of these articles come out today. And first thing I want to say is these are speculated job cuts. Ford hasn't officially announced anything on this yet. So these are some analysts that are thinking that these are coming, like the folks like Bloomberg and stuff like that. So and if it does come, it's basically Ford has come out and said several times over the last six months or so that in their division that they make their internal combustion vehicles, which is the majority of their vehicles today, they call that division the blue division. They actually have stated many times that they have too many people, they have too much investment, they have a lot of complexity when it comes to building those vehicles, and they are looking to move and transition a lot of those assets into the electrification business. All right. Do they just not need as many workers, as many personnel when it comes to electrified vehicles as they do in the so-called blue division, those that are making combustible engines? Well, they may not. The uh, electric division is called the Model E division, and I would assume that there are going that if there are going to be some layoffs, there would be some transitions as well, because as they continue to invest in the plants and in the retooling of those plants to build EVs uh, and get more vehicles out there, they will need manpower to do that. Um, you and I both know, Jeff, that EVs don't have the same number of parts that an internal combustion vehicle have. They have much lower number of parts, about um, something in the areas of 20 moving parts, just in that example. So, and a lot more automation is being introduced to car manufacturing by all the OEMs. So you have a combination of that, which may offer a less of reliance on a human workforce to build an EV, but there's still other uh, elements there like the supply chain, the batteries, uh, cells, and all those other uh, attributes that EVs need that they'll need jobs for. Yeah, EVs, of course, uh, it's taken a significant investment by a lot of the OEMs. Ford's uh, not alone here, uh, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of money in research and development. So could we expect similar job cuts from other OEMs other than just Ford, do you think? You know, that that is a potential, Jeff. I can't comment on what they're thinking. Obviously, we know all the major OEMs are moving their vehicle productions to the electrification landscape, and that does take time and money and effort. Uh, I would hope that a lot of those jobs that, you know, current folks that are working on assembly lines and the different part suppliers and manufacturers would be able to transition to the new part supplies and manufacturers and and those new assembly lines as they're retooled and rebuilt. I mean, we're hearing a lot of of OEMs build new plants just for EVs and for battery cell manufacturing. So you're going going to need a human workforce of some sort for those as well. So there may be a transition of some lost potential jobs in the current internal combustion vehicle market as OEMs try to spin up the other part of that marketplace for electrification, uh, but it may not be as dramatic as some people might lead you to think it would, could be. 
Well, it sort of feels as if EVs, they are obviously shaking up the auto industry and the auto world, and it's not just uh, the way we're going to get around uh, in the future, how they're shaking things up, uh, electric uh, over gas, but uh, also, again, we're talking about uh, jobs uh, here at uh, production plants. Uh, I've also seen that uh, the sales model might be changing quite a bit. Uh, Do you know anything? Can you add anything to that, uh, Kenneth? Because, you know, for example, uh, Tesla, they have really walked away from kind of the you know, standard showroom where you would uh, go and uh, look at cars. Uh, I believe a lot of the purchases when it comes to Tesla's uh, more through uh, online. Uh, you just uh, pick your options, your color, that sort of thing, and it's delivered to your home? That's exactly correct. Uh, I, not all the time is delivered to your home, but you would have to go to a center to pick it up. But yeah, that online sales model, uh, Tesla's kind of really pushed that forward over the last few years. And a lot of the OEMs are going to adopt that similar model. Some do as well. Uh, Lucid, Polestar, some of the others have online elements where you can directly order. Even you can take new reservations now and place orders through Ford, through GM and, and other sites with their electrification. So it's not brand new. I think what we'll see is a little bit more of a hybrid model there, Jeff, where uh, consumers will have the ability to do an online experience if they don't want to go talk to somebody, if they don't want to go into, into a showroom to see a vehicle. But I suspect that most consumers will kind of do a bit of both. They'll go into a showroom, have a look, look around, see what's available for them, get some answers, do their research, and then when they're ready to pull the trigger, then they'll go online and order that. And that's where they want OEMs want to make that experience as easy as possible for consumers to do. Yeah. Do we know the percentage of uh, buyers? How many people, Kenneth, actually will order or buy a car basically sight unseen? I mean, I would think uh, I know I would want to test drive it. I would want to feel it. Uh, Particularly, I don't have a lot of experience in an EV to date. So if I'm looking at that, I want to feel how it drives differently over a combustible uh, car, a combustible engine car. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, how many people are willing? Because, you know, a lot of times a car can maybe be your second biggest purchase next to your home. How many people are just uh, willing to order this online? It's a great question. You know, I mean, you and I, we like the new car smell, so we, we want to experience <laughs> that. But, you know, a lot of the generation today, the generation that has the buying power that's moving forward in the economy, um, you know, it's not so much the old folks like me, it's a lot younger folks, and they're used to a uh, more of an immediate gratification type of buying experience, you know, with Amazon, especially with COVID and everything that's happened. The online is now, I think, really engraved in people's psyches as far as something normal to buy things. And we can buy a fridge, we can buy a new kitchen, or we can buy a car online. So I think you'll start seeing some higher percentages of people do that experience because they'll be very comfortable with it. I I don't have a number that I could guess right now. Maybe we could say a third to start because it is going to slowly happen. I'm like you, Jeff. I would I would need to sit in it, you know, experience the vehicle, just make sure it's the it's the one I yeah. Uh, but I can tell you, when Tesla did their reveal in 2016 for the Model Three, they had over 130,000 reservations for that vehicle, sight unseen. So it can happen, and it can happen big. And we are seeing it with a lot of the OEMs, uh, Ford, for example. Since we started our discussion uh, with them with the F-150 Lightning, weren't they a uh, pre-order sold out? Despite the fact they haven't even uh, they hadn't even built one yet. <laughs> yeah, they were sold out uh, three times over. That's for sure. They totally underestimated the desire for the electrification side of that pickup truck, which is a wonderful truck. We have already seen first customer deliveries here. I had a couple at an EV event that I did a couple of weeks ago, and and customers and people that were looking at it absolutely loved the truck. But yeah, they totally underestimated the the uh, desire for that vehicle and have now tripled their production targets in order to meet the demands over the next couple of years. 
Yeah, speaking of, by the way, I was at the Stampede in Calgary the other week and got a chance to, uh, on display, they had the new Hummer EV. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to sit in that. Have you seen that? I have not seen it yet, but, you know, it's amazing that an almost 10,000-pound vehicle the size of the summer can uh, the Hummer can go to 0 to 60 in three and a half seconds. Right. Yeah, it is a menacing uh, looking uh, vehicle, but it, it was something to, to sit in. And, you know, you kind of get excited by it, uh, having that tactile hands on experience until uh, you read the suggested retail price. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do. And I thought the same thing, Jeff, but they sold out a game. So what do, what do you and I know about price points, right? People, there's money out there and people are spending it. And again, when you're talking about Ford and, and potential OEM uh, cutbacks, you know, I mean, Ford has experienced some financial losses in the early quarter of this year. And, you know, part of that is due to the Rivian partnership. But, you know, so they do need they're, they're reinvesting, they're moving money around to kind of continue to build their, their way forward on the EV side. So we might see some you know negative impacts because of that. All right. We'll leave it there. Kenneth, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for this. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Kenneth Bocour. You can watch him on the EV Revolution show on YouTube. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.